my senior year in high school, my quote in my yearbook was something I came up with, which was, if you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in anything. And I think you need to believe in maybe not just yourself, but the product you're selling. If you're not passionate and you're not into it, that's going to be read by someone and it's going to be harder to get success and sales and all that stuff. So I think you got to believe in what you're doing. And the other thing is don't quit, right? I mean, how many entrepreneurs out there, well, and I don't know if there's a statistic on this, but I would think the vast majority of entrepreneurs out there that you would deem successful have all failed at some point before they are where they are now. So it's getting knocked down and getting back up. It's taking the bad days and saying, all right, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. The sun will come out tomorrow and it's a new day and just keep plugging away. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Jeffrey Krentzman, the owner of the Barbecue Cleaner and the host of the podcast, Mind Your Pucking Business. Jeff is the owner of the Barbecue Cleaner and looks to help future entrepreneurs start their own barbecue grill cleaning business by arming them with a proven turnkey business model. Jeff knew that he wanted his own business early on, but wasn't sure what direction to go in. Luckily, he was an avid reader of the international franchise magazines, which is where he first heard of the Oven You Cleaning Franchise business, which had been causing a real stir over in Europe. Jeff saw an opportunity to bring this idea across to the States, and a few months down the line, he was the owner of his first business. After his first advertisement ran in the newspaper, Jeff's schedule immediately went to a two-month wait for clients to get an appointment. There was a real demand for what he was offering, which was creating a clean, healthy experience for customers by removing the harmful carcinogens that build up in their grill, removing grease that could cause a fire, and prolonging the life of their grill and, in turn, protecting their investment in their barbecue. Jeff then decided to allow others the opportunity he had and the barbecue cleaner started offering its world-class cleaning business opportunity and helped its first customer start their own grill cleaning business. A decade later, there are over 250 grill cleaners across the country who have Jeff to thank for their success. And their thanks is all they owe. There is only one upfront cost for this unique business opportunity. In addition, Jeff is the host of Mind Your Pucking Business, a podcast that talks about hockey, business, and everything there is in between. And you know, I love talking hockey and business too. Listen in for some great takeaways about starting a business and growing it into a successful franchise and not to mention some hockey talk too. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of being with Jeffrey Krentzman, the owner of The Barbecue Cleaner and the host of the podcast, Mind Your Pucking Business. Now, everybody knows I love talking entrepreneurship and business as much 
as talking hockey. So we may delve into that a little bit as well. So bear with us and welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, Larry. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I want to give our audience a little idea of who you are and what you're about. So can you tell us about your path to how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So I graduated college up in Boston in 2002. And at that time, with the country coming off of 9-11, the job market was really non-existent, if at all. And I really had always wanted to do my own thing in the back of my head and discovered a company in the United Kingdom doing a process where they were cleaning ovens. They had, at that point, expanded to nine different countries throughout Europe and as well as Australia. And we decided to test the concept here in the United States, in northern New Jersey, where I'm located. We decided we'd do a six-month pilot test. So if it worked well, great. We obviously would continue it. But if it didn't work well, we didn't have long-term contractual obligations or anything like that. And it really just took off. And it really took off once we started having clients ask us, hey, do you guys clean grills? Do you clean outdoor barbecues? And that was actually 18 years ago. And it's never stopped since. Wow. Wow. So you took their concept of oven cleaning and then just redeployed it, if you will, to the barbecue space. Yeah, that's a great way of explaining what happened because we're prepared really to clean ovens and customers would ask us to do grills. We said, okay, well, what kind of adaptations do we need to make to the system and all that stuff? But we were fortunate in that there really wasn't much that had to be done and fine-tuned. So that's exactly what we did. And then Really, since then, we've offered it as a franchise as well and a business opportunity to people in other areas of the country and Canada. And we'll have our 269th location open up in a couple of weeks. Amazing. So did you take their concept and more or less replicate it and make it your own? Or were you like a franchisee of their process and their system? Or was there no relationship there at all? No, we were the master franchisor for North America for them. So we own the rights to the United States, Canada, and Mexico. But we definitely took their blueprint for the most part. If it's work, why go out and try and reinvent the wheel? But on top of that, we did have to make some changes here in the U.S. versus what they do in the U.K. But for the most part, we really did follow their blueprint. Are they not a nation of barbecuers like we are? (laughs) No, their idea of fun on a Sunday, and it also rains a lot in the U.K., is they'll do these indoor dinners. So for them, their market, which is targeting ovens, is perfect, right? Everyone's inside all the time and whatnot. Here, we're a little bit different. They are nowhere near as barbecue-centric as we are on that side of the pond. Interesting. And how did the podcast come about? Where did that stem from? Because obviously, it's not related to the business. I would imagine it's a passion of yours. So how did that come to be? So it's a weird story. I had a client. I do their grill every year. And the woman is like you and I, a hockey fan. And I was at our house. This was in 2020 during the pandemic where I could work because I was outside. And we were got to talking and she said, hey, you'd be great at doing a hockey show. I said, you're crazy. Like, I don't have the time. I run a business. I've got two kids. And so she put me in touch with, actually, he's my co-host now about getting started with it. And the rest is history. It's really kind of just taken off. We just taped our 80th episode the other day. Amazing. And that is it just geared to hockey in general. I know you talk about the Rangers on there. Is it geared to Rangers only? For our, our listeners who might be hockey fans, and we have a lot of those, What's the concept and what's your target market as far as who you cater to on the show? So we definitely do a fair amount of Ranger-specific stuff, but we do other NHL. We're an equal opportunity podcast where we cover other teams. We cover the playoffs when it's the playoffs time of year. 
We also do small business stuff. Last summer, we introduced the Small Business Spotlight Series where we selected a couple businesses in the area, had them come on. It was great free promotion for them. So I try to give back the entrepreneurial side. I try to integrate that into the podcast where I can, which is easier to do, of course, when the hockey season's not going on, which is why we do that in the summer. But we do a lot of NFL stuff during the football season. We're always doing weekly picks. We have some pretty cool guests on in the fall as well. So we're always busy. There's always people that want to come on. As you know, you're in the business too, Larry. I mean, people will always come on if you reach out. So Yeah, it's interesting. I was just up for an award recently for my podcast. And one of the questions that I got from the panel of judges was, you have this unbelievable lineup of guests. How do you get them? And I think they thought that there was some secret sauce. And I was like, you just got to find interesting people and ask them. And usually they're more than willing and gracious enough to come on the show and talk about their entrepreneurial venture. It's really not a difficult thing, really. People like talking about how they got to where they were or are. Yeah. So, and I try and do that as well. I like to do that. I'm obviously, look, there's this aspect where it's helpful for my business when I'm on these podcasts and whatnot talking about it, but I try to get back on the other side as well on our own podcast where if, look, if we could have a small business locally that doesn't get a lot of exposure on social media realm, for example, if we can give it to them for a week and have their stuff go up on iTunes and Spotify and YouTube and all that stuff, hey, that's great. That's the way we do it. Absolutely. So the barbecue cleaner, you gave us a little bit of an idea of the genesis. I mean, it didn't sound like it was something that you were actually looking for. It seemed like it was something that basically came about as almost like an act of necessity because of the timing of you coming out of school and what the economic environment was. Was it your draw to actually the barbecue cleaner or was it a bigger draw just to try to utilize your entrepreneurial bug and take it from there? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I really think it's wanting to do my own thing, not wanting to work for someone. Look, I got very fortunate and I'm the first to admit that this idea was a really good idea and it hadn't been being done. And truth be told, when I started this, I didn't know a darn thing about grills at all. I mean, I wouldn't even know how to turn one on, but you learn after 17 years, you definitely learn. But I had known I always wanted to do my own thing. And when you took the idea, was it immediately thought about that you were going to apply this to the barbecue, I mean, versus the oven like they did in the UK? No. So I had gone over there for two weeks for what they called master training. And when we brought it back here, if you told me, do you guys clean grills? I would have looked at you like you're nuts because I didn't even thought of it. It didn't actually come to fruition until clients started asking us when we were there doing their ovens, hey, do you mind going in the backyard and doing the grill? That's how the whole thing started. And in the beginning, we said no, because it wasn't what we did until the light bulb went off and we said, look, we have this many people asking. Maybe there's some sort of opportunity here. Amazing. Amazing. So listen, being an entrepreneur and you've been in your entrepreneurial venture now for 17 going on 18 years, and we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen and tune into our show What's the best piece of advice that you can give to those who are aspiring entrepreneurs looking to create their own entrepreneurial venture? There's a lot of answers I could put there to pick one. You could give two. It's okay. Yeah, we're not limited, (laughs) right? So my senior year in high school, my quote in my yearbook was something I came up with, which was, if you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in anything. And I think you need to believe in maybe not just yourself, but the product you're selling. If you're not passionate and you're not into it, That's going to be read by someone and it's going to be harder to get success and sales and all that stuff. So I think you got to believe in what you're doing. And the other thing is don't quit, right? I mean, how many entrepreneurs out there, and I don't know if there's a statistic on this, but I would think the vast majority of entrepreneurs out there that you would deem successful have all failed at some point before they are where they are now. 
So it's getting knocked down and getting back up. It's taking the bad days and saying, all right, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. The sun will come out tomorrow and it's a new day and just keep plugging away. Yeah, I think that that's really a mindset shift that you need to have and you need to kind of go into an entrepreneurial venture in terms of you have to flip that idea that failing means failing and you have to turn that into failing means a learning opportunity. And if you can do that and learn from that and then refine it and make it better, that's just going to make you a better entrepreneur as time goes on for sure. Yes, that I would absolutely agree with. Yeah, you need to have that mindset. If you don't, you're going to have an uphill battle. So you shouldn't follow the Kevin O'Leary methodology that if you start running up against the wall that you should just take it behind the barn and shoot it right away. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm going to go against Kevin's theory there. He's he's a tough one on sometimes on those. I mean, there are some people he recommends that to, and I'm in total agreement after you go at something doing the same thing. But when he usually recommends that, it's usually something that somebody has been going at at the same thing for a prolonged period of time with no success, which means that they're either not learning from those failures or they're not willing to change. And that's really when you got to kind of be able to cut ties. But if you're using those as learning opportunities, I don't think you end up with the shoot it behind the barn methodology that he promotes. Yes, which I think is a good thing if you steer away from that method. (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting because you have really this large nationwide presence. You said 269 locations earlier when we were speaking. So what is it like running a business that has such a large nationwide presence? Every day is different. There's no two days that are the same, right? So some people I'm sure you know in your business are easier to work with than others. Some require more attention than others. It's a challenge. Look, I like it. I think it's fun. I'm maybe an odd type where I love my job. Like Monday mornings come around and I'm like literally raring to go and I can't wait for the kids to get dropped at school so I can get rolling here. But it's a challenge. I mean, every day is different. Every client you have is different. You kind of have to learn each person and what they need and what you need to do to keep them happy, which I think is key. A customer satisfaction in this business has been paramount since day one of importance. So it's a challenge, but every day is different and you got to stay with it and you got to roll with it. Now, are you responsible for both your own clients, obviously, who you service and provide services to, but then do you also lend support to all of those other locations that are also utilizing your concept? Yes, we do. Yeah. So look, everyone's different in the amount of support that they need, right? I could have either, we have plenty of people, thankfully, that we do such a good job in the training. They pick up and they run with it and they'll check in maybe once a year or whatever, but they do receive ongoing support from us. So whatever they do need, we're there for them 365 days a year. So some of them will need more, some of them will need less. Right. And as you go through your day, sometimes I imagine you're changing that hat you got to put on your service hat and then you have to put on your advice and guidance hat to those other providers. And it happens all the time where I have my service hat on in someone's backyard and the phone rings and the other hat goes on, right? I mean, it happens all the time. There you go. So, I mean, when you started this, obviously you said the barbecue piece was a learning experience for you. But when you came back from that training over in UK and were thinking about this thing, did you think that it was going to take off and have this large nationwide presence that you'd be talking several years later that having 269, 70 locations? No, no. I dreamt that it would, but I don't know that I would have really thought it would. And it's been interesting. We've been really fortunate also in the sense that we've had continued growth even throughout. Every year seems to be better than the previous one which is something I'm very proud of. But no, I probably would not have thought 
we would have had the level of success that we have had. I think I probably would have told you we would have had some success because I started it believing that it would work. But to this point, probably not. No. And do you think your growth is your growth primarily coming from new people that you're servicing or a lot of your growth is coming from these new locations that you're opening up? throughout the country? Well, the focus is usually, and the time and energy is in the new locations. Our local business here has just run on repeats and referrals since 2008. We haven't run a single ad. So we've been really lucky in that regard. It kind of grows itself. I like to say it's on autopilot. It really is. The location areas where we try to focus, it's also where we make more money. And that is, you always have to look at lead generation and ways you're getting leads and try and Think of what's out there next and new ideas. That's where the focus usually is. So in the world of a side hustle, right? We're in this environment where that's been a buzzword that's been around for quite a while now. Is this something that if somebody was looking for that proverbial side hustle, that that could be that? Or is it really something that somebody really has to focus full time on? Or could it be starting out as a side hustle, moving in that direction? What's an ideal situation? So it can be either. And I think the one that you just mentioned is the more popular way we see it done. And the one that I actually like, which is side hustle in the beginning, right? You keep your full-time job, you keep your income, you're minimizing your risk and starting a business. If you still have your salary coming in, you do this as side hustle, you build it up to a point where you realize, Hey, look, I've got to leave my real job because this is so busy, or some people turn around and say, I'll just hire someone to do the work, right? I'll keep my regular job and I'll have this as just extra money coming in. And I'm not even the one doing the work. I have someone that does it for me. I agree. I think a lot of times if you have this idea and you're looking to get into a new business venture, it's always best if you could start it out as a side hustle and then move in that direction because it creates the most financial security, I think, for you that you possibly could have. Yep. That's the way to do it. So what do you attribute the reason that your locations have so much success? Can you attribute it to one or two things that you could really pinpoint that they've been able to have such success at this that has caused you to grow this quickly? Yeah, there's two real main reasons. One is we don't charge any ongoing fees, right? So our locations keep 100% of what they make. So if they go out in a day and they do $1,200 in grill cleaning, at the end of the day, they're keeping $1,200, right? So at the end of the day, they're making as much money as possible. That's part one. The second is it's a very non-competitive niche market, right? You're not starting your 75th carpet cleaning company in the market. You're really there. And for most of these people, they're the only ball game in town. Or for a few, there's only a few of other people in town. And that's a big advantage. There's not a lot of competition. That's a big, big draw. And the demand for the service, once people use the marketing arsenal that we give them, the demand just takes off. So what you're describing is a little bit different from the traditional franchise model, right? Because typically there's some kind of upfront expense or cost or investment, however you want to term it. And then there's usually some kind of ongoing royalty or franchise fee that you continue to pay. What I heard was that there is not that ongoing. So how do you, as the franchisor, how do you benefit from opening up another location tomorrow, let's say? Well, we benefit in the sense that obviously they pay an upfront cost. It's more awareness of the brand nationwide. The more people that are doing it, the more the concept of grill cleaning as a whole gets promoted. We have a lot of people as well. Matter of fact, we'll open the location in a few months where a client of one of our locations is starting out, right? Because they say, hey, look, I couldn't get an appointment with this guy for six to eight weeks. Obviously, there's a demand for this. So I should be doing this also. So we benefit as well, but look, most of the benefits when locations open up or the benefits that are reaped from this 
are from our operators. So if I'm looking to be a customer, client, right, and I want my grill cleaned, what does that look like in terms of frequency, rough cost? How does that work? So frequency depends really on a couple things. The market, someone in Arizona has more of a grilling season than you and I have up here in the Northeast. But also it depends on usage, right? Some people will use it four or five times a week. Some people will be the casual griller and they'll use it once every other week. Most of our clients locally here do it twice a year. Some will do it once a year. But I'd say that the average is twice a year. In terms of pricing, the national average right now is about 250 per grill. Now, there are some markets like myself up here in northern New Jersey. We charge $300 for every grill cleaning we do. We charge a little bit more. So cost of living and demographic dependency plays into that. But it definitely is a situation where it's probably about 250 right now, the national average. Okay. And then if I was looking and so inclined to open up a franchise, what does that look like if I wanted to go down that route and I was looking to create another income stream? How does that work? Yeah. So we give you everything you need. So the word that we like to use around here is turnkey in that everything you need to get started, you're going to get from us. It's a little bit under 50,000, but if you look at the ROI perspective, return on investment, if you spend 50,000 to start a business where you're going to keep 100% of what you make from day one, and you're charging 250 or $300 to clean a grill, whatever you set your price point at, and you do the math and you say, okay, these are how many grills I need to do to break even, it's pretty easy to see why the success rate is so high. I mean, it's not really a secret to figure out why. Right. I mean, you just need like about 150 or so grills in year one and you're in the black going forward, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what has been the biggest lesson that this journey has taught you? You've been at this for a while. You kind of like an accidental entrepreneur from the start. What's the biggest lessons and takeaways you've taken away from this venture thus far? Time management. And that's twofold. One, I mean, the fact that being your own boss, I can do things with my kids during the day. That to me is priceless. There's no price tag that I can put on that. I'm just beyond fortunate in that regard. But it's also time management and how you manage your time and I always try to be super responsive. I think that's important. Customer service, like I said before, that's the other thing that I've learned, the importance of customer service. If you have clients that are happy with the work that you provide for them, they're never going to go anywhere, right? They're going to use you over and over again. So the importance of making sure your clients are happy, or in our case as well, that the operators in other locations are all happy. Right, right. You got to make sure both of those. So I usually ask entrepreneurs this, and I'm curious in your case, Did you come from an entrepreneurial background or where did the entrepreneurial bug really stem from? So I had an internship in college and I was commuting into the city. And back then, it's hard to imagine this, but there were no iPhones, there was no Spotify, and there was no iTunes. And you would have what was known as a Walkman. And I could listen to the sports radio station in New York City, WFAN. Well, we would go through on the train for a good part of the journey marshland in new jersey and they really the signal wasn't good we'd go through tunnels so i decided that i was going to read a book and my father gave me a book which i swear by called the cash flow quadrant which is well known written from the author of rich dad poor dad and that book really generated in me the entrepreneurial bug and i think is really where the core of it all began was reading that book interesting so were your parents or grandparents entrepreneurial in nature at all or no Not really. I think my father, even though he worked in corporate America at the time when I started, he definitely did have some entrepreneurial itches to him for sure. Right. So it's always interesting to me to see how different people kind of started out in that direction and started there. 
And it's interesting that that book was like the impetus for you. I think the game's called Cash Flow. Have you ever played that? I think that's his game, right? Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, he hasn't had much success with his cash flow in recent years, Mr. Kawasaki, unfortunately. But yeah. So we talked a little bit about the podcast, and I have to add, let's go Rangers. Whenever it is, whenever this airs, it doesn't matter. I'm still a Ranger fan through and through and looking forward to wherever we are in the season. But how did that podcast come about? I mean, you talked to us about the client that kind of pushed you in that direction, I guess, set you up with a co-host. I mean, is that just something that you are doing for fun? Have you monetized the show? What's the plans there? Yeah, we've been lucky. We have some sponsors now that sponsor the show, which I still, when I think about that, I think is crazy. We have some sponsors. We do some other things with it for fun. Look, I think, and I say this and I mean it, that my job with barbecue cleaner always comes first. So there's been a couple instances, even some recently where I've been so busy with the barbecue cleaner because in the springtime, which is when we're taping this episode, it's a busy time of year that I had to take a couple of weeks and say, look, we're just not shooting an episode this week. So the barbecue cleaner will always come first, but the podcast looked down the road. Who knows where it'll go? I never would have told you two years ago, we would have had 80 episodes. I mean, that just seems bizarre to me. So where we're going to go a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, I don't know. There's been some talks from people that listen to the show that would like to see us start to do some food reviews. I'm not sure if we'll go down that road, restaurant reviews on site, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. What are you going the uh, Portnoy uh, direction? Yeah, similar, but I don't have that ability that he does. Not going to do pizza? No. Where is the interest in the restaurants coming from? How does that correlate? One of our sponsors actually, like you and I, is a huge Ranger fan, and he had asked us to do a food review, which we have not done yet. And from that discussion... There have been a couple other discussions with people at the production company that produces the podcast about integrating that in. The problem that I have is for me to once a week do a podcast, for me to once a week go do a restaurant shoot somewhere, that's a lot of time. So logistically, we'd have to work it out. And being that the time of the year, again, when we're taping, this is the spring, my busiest time of year with the barbecue cleaner, it's not happening right now. Well, I think maybe you should just go to barbecue places, do food reviews there and tie it back into the main business. And then there you go. You got it all worked out. And I love barbecue food. So if you could tell me I could go try someone's ribs. First off, everyone's ribs are getting like a 9.5 review for me. (laughs) There's never a bad rib or brisket, but that would be fun. Yes. We'll see if barbecues make it there. And then you keep it on brand, right? Yeah. There you go. So I got to ask you, what's up next for Jeffrey Krenzman? What's the next big thing that you have up on your radar for either the current businesses or something new that you have in the works? Right now, it's status quo. I really love what I do with the barbecue cleaner. Again, I wake up in the morning. I'm so excited to go. It's kind of maybe not normal. And then the podcast has been fun, too. There's really nothing else on the horizon right now, but those things can always change. But right now, I'm kind of enjoying the ride that I got. Listen, I love that you love what you do because I love what I do. And I run into people all the time who complain or there's a gripe about what they do or waking up on Monday morning to go do what they have to do. And I'm like, why are you doing this? I understand that there are financial constraints that sometimes limit us and limit certain people. I get it. But if you're that miserable, you really should be looking for something that really energizes you. And it doesn't have to, like you said, It doesn't have to be something that you jump from where you are and go full time. It's something you can just try to dip your toe in, see if it works, and then grow that over time. Why not be happy? We talk about joy here all the time. 
Yeah, I cannot fathom what it would be like to wake up in the morning and hate what you do. I don't know if I would ever be able to get out of bed. I really don't, if that was the case. So yeah, just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm happy doing it. It's no complaints. I agree. So listen, we end every show, Jeff, by asking each of our guests the same question. And this kind of teed it up like a softball here because it's all about joy because we want to give our listeners a whole lot of joy. And I find the answer to this question very interesting when I ask each of our guests because the answers range the gamut. So what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Oh, well, you got me on an emotional day to ask me this question. So we talk about time management and you know, able to do what you do. For the past six years, every single Friday afternoon, I step away from my job and I serve ice cream at my kid's school, um, the ice cream man in their school cafeteria. Okay. And today, again, being that we're taping this, this, is the last day I had with my daughter as she moves on to middle school next year. So my joy today was being with her as well as my eight-year-old son in the same lunchroom and being with their friends. So yeah, that's definitely the joy I had today. Listen, I love that. I'll share a quick snippet with you. I was just with my son. My, my oldest happens to be in college, but his girlfriend is a senior in high school. So he went to her senior prom on Wednesday and we went all over to somebody's house to take pictures. And I joked with him because like you, I was very involved with my kids as they were growing up through grade school. And I was always the dad that put in to be a chaperone for all their trips. And I always got picked. And the joke around the house was I was probably the only guy that actually our only father that submitted to be a chaperone. And a lot of times I showed up and there were a lot of moms and I was the only dad. So they always picked me. So we were at the prom and I said to my son and his girlfriend, I said, hey, I just want to let you know, I'll see you later tonight. And they looked at me like I was crazy. What are you talking about? I'll see you at the prom. I'm chaperoning. And my son's like, you couldn't, he goes, you did every one. It wouldn't surprise me if you were doing this one. He knew I was joking, but at the same time. So kudos to you for being involved and being involved in that. And I assure you that although this one chapter is coming to an end, there'll be another one opening up that you'll be involved in a different way. So listen, thank you for being a guest on the show. We're going to have all of your information in the show notes. But if people want to find out more about the barbecue cleaner, more about you, What's the easiest and fastest way for them to do that? Sure. They can go. Our website is really informative, www.thebbqcleaner.com. We encourage people to do, we do free 15-minute consultations where we spend some time with them and see if this would be a good fit for them. We look at their background, their demographic. It doesn't cost anything. There's no reason not to do it. So they can go to the Barbecue Cleaner website. Again, that's thebbqcleaner.com, or they can call our toll-free number. We're open 24 hours a day seven days a week. I assure you someone will answer the phones. And that's at 888-296-8368. Awesome, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being a guest. And I have two things to say. Make it a great day and let's go Rangers. I knew it. Let's go Rangers. Thanks for having <laughs> me on, Larry. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Jeff. I want to thank Jeffrey Krentzman for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Jeff has taken his love for entrepreneurship and created a great business that allows him to teach others to be a successful business owner too. How rewarding is that? No wonder he loves what he does. He has also merged his love for business and talking hockey and created a successful podcast that is a great deal of fun to listen to also. Mind your pucking business. I love the name and I must say, let's go Rangers. Jeff and the Barbecue Cleaner can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.